Well, welcome to Aspen Chapel's podcast on today, Sunday, January the 22nd. And today is the first of a new series on getting the message out. And this is from about 1,500 years ago, is it? Okay. <laughs> That's what happens when you read Wikipedia. It's <laughs> 100 years before Christ. So. Okay. Anyway, this is uh, the reading. One who is integrally virtuous does not sit back and enjoy the loftiness of his personal spiritual achievement while the world engages in bloodshed because of people's ignorant attachments to particular ideologies and theologies. One of an integral virtue is not interested in personal exaltation. He exposes the truth and shows the ways for the evolution of all humanity. Any individual spiritual achievement can never be considered great as long as the world is victimized by wars. Those who brandish power are like small children playing with an enormous axe. They will inevitably bring around their own destruction. Undeveloped humanity can destroy, its, can destroy itself through its own ignorance. And this is why one of integral virtue has something of great value to say and share with people. His purpose is not to share the excellence of his mind, nor to display his great compassion. It is simply the natural responsibility of one who can see to tell a blind horseman on a blind horse that he is riding toward an abyss. I mean, isn't that amazing? I mean, written thousands of years ago. And, you know, and, and really what was also amazing to me that it just appeared to me uh, on the page at that particular moment. Um, and the one thing that really got me that, you know, one who is integrity virtuous does not sit back and enjoy the loftiness of his own spiritual achievements while the world engages in bloodshed because of people's ignorant attachment to particularly ideologies and theologies. And, you know, it doesn't matter what those ideologies or theologies are. You know, in speaking after the election, I quoted Einstein saying that no problem can be solved from the same level of consciousness that created it. And that for us to move through this with everyone on board, we need to look at it from a new level of consciousness. You know, we might see one side as being good and another side as being bad, but in reality, they are both different sides of the same coin. And what we really need is a new currency. And I think that what we're trying to do here at the Aspen Chapel is to mint a new currency not just to display our great compassion. You know, how boring. You know, we don't want to just be so wonderful displayers of compassion. But it is simply the natural responsibility of one who can see to tell a blind horseman on a blind horse that he is riding towards an abyss. I mean, that is just so powerful to me. Something that we could all probably say yes to, but, you know, really, what does it mean in practice? You know, interesting enough, you know, I said I read, read a couple of passages from the Bible as well. Just keep me, you know, 
on the straight and narrow. Um, so I then came after I that this thundered into me, this passage. And then I came to my reading from the Old Testament. And I promise you this is true. I'm not making this up, although I do make up stuff. <laughs> I'm not making this up. This was my passage from the Old Testament. I was reading for, for one reason or another. I was at Jeremiah 7. And this is Jeremiah 7. This is the same day in my practice. said, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says, reform your ways and your actions and I will let you live in this place. Do not trust in deceptive words and say, this is the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. If you really change your ways and your actions and deal with each other justly, if you do not oppress the foreigner, the fatherless or the widow, and do not shed innocent blood in this place, and if you do not follow other gods to your own harm, then I will let you live in this place, in the land I gave your ancestors forever and ever, the earth, the land we were given. Then I will let you live in this place. Oh, it's always an interesting thought, I think, that uh, the planet's always going to be all right. It's whether or not we're there at the end as well. You know, the planet's always going to be here, you know. That's, that's, and that spoke to me as well. Always that emphasis on, on humility and compassion as the way forward. And, of course, to live in peace, we have to follow the one true God. Not really just anyone's idea of the one true God, but we do have to follow the one true God. I was here last Sunday, but I went to another church uh, to do a bit of mystery worshipping, <laughs> as opposed to mystery shopping. I, I won't say where I went, but I was so disappointed to be told that they had a very clear idea of who the one true God was, and that if I did not accept that one true God, but relied on other philosophies, then I was damned. And my soul was eternally lost, and I was of demonic something or other. I can't remember what the word was. Which for me was not particularly helpful. (laughs) Except in seeing which way not to go. Because, of course, the one true God is the reality of love. The one true God is the reality of love. Reality... We talked about this before Christmas. Reality is that which you can rely on. The one true God, God is love. The one true God is the reality of love. And you can call that Christ, the Tao, the Atman, you know, whatever you like. But it is, the one true God is the ground of our being. And without that base, without that reality that we can rely on, we are just blind people on blind horses riding towards an abyss. Now, my final reading, which actually didn't appear in my but it was something that had been in my mind for that thing, uh, was Matthew 28, New Testament, a reading that this church I visited would have loved as its motto. And that, of course, is, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you to the very end of the age. And that's a reading that ministers have bashed their, their, their pulpits at as they tell people to go and make disciples for Christ. Um, but I don't think it is at all about making everyone a Christian and getting them to turn to the one true faith. It is, I think, the same imperative that Lao Tzu was talking about, about not just sitting back 
and enjoying the loftiness of our own spiritual achievement while the world engages in bloodshed because of people's ignorant attachment to particular ideas and theologies. But getting out there and sharing what we've learned as being relevant. Now, I don't know how many of you have, how many of you actually receive Richard Raw's daily meditations? Quite a lot, you know. Yeah, I, I receive them too. And, and there was one again that spoke to me in relation to this. He, he says, it's a series, you can you just sign up on his website, put Richard Raw's meditation into Google, and you'll be able to just sign up. And it just comes into your inbox every day, and it's quite useful. And this is the one from last week. He said, most traditionists today, most traditionalists, are not tradition at all. They know so little of the big tradition beyond their ethnic version since the last national revolution in their country. That's what happened when you move into a defensive posture against others. You circle the wagons around externals and non-essentials. And the first thing to go is anything interior or as subversive to your own ego as contemplation. That's the first thing to go, anything that will upset your own ego. And of course, this is precisely what is essential for true transformation. This is Richard Raw speaking. Without it, we have the French and Spanish Catholic hierarchies largely opposing their own need for revolutions and reforms. English and German bishops blessing all their wars and the majority of Orthodox hierarchies cooperating with communist dictators against their own people. This is the bad fruit of non-contemplative Christianity, which Thomas Merton was one of the first to be public and vocal about in the 1950s. And he ends by saying that Christians need to retrieve their own tradition of accessing and living from an alternative consciousness. And that's what we are about here. That's what we're about. This community was founded nearly 50 years ago. In fact, it will be 50 years next year. And you can be sure we'll be using that to get the message out and build a fundraiser, whatever it is. You know, it is an ideal opportunity to start a cattle campaign. You know, it's that sort of 50 years is next year. And it was founded, this community, on a message of peace and reconciliation. The quote from the inaugural document was that the Aspen Chapel was built to remind the people of Aspen and beyond that there is foremost a spiritual dimension to our existence and to create an inclusive centre for seminars and dialogues on the theological concerns of contemporary society. And, you know, we here and online, we are the product of that decision. I am the product. Being here, I am the product of that decision. There was a me-shaped hole that I came into, formed by the community. And we are the product of that decision. Over the last 50 years, this chapel has striven towards this goal. All the work that Greg did, all the seminars, all the meetings, all the hard work, all of it. And we are the result. We are the manifestation of that decision. And we are at a point now where we have to begin I think, to take that message out, out from the chapel and also out from Aspen. But what, what is that message? Can we claim to be integrally virtuous, as Lao Tzu puts it? And if so, what does it mean? Well, you know, when I look at it, I think it comes down to two aspects 
the message that we have to come out. One, an internal aspect, and one, an external aspect. This is what I think the fundamental of our message is. And it's these virtues that the chapel has been propounding and developing over all these years. The first message I think we have to put out is the lesson of meeting anger and fear and hatred and pride and all forms of pain, of meeting that with love. Of meeting all forms of pain and anger and fear with love. That we personally take what the world gives us, even the pain, and we transform it and respond with love. That is an action message that is central to hear. That is lesson one. That, that is the lesson of the cross. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. It is emotional photosynthesis. It's emotional photosynthesis, taking the heat and turning it into love. And I believe.